No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. How much does it take to make a person content? Today we see where Solomon's wealth, wisdom, trade, and military equipment were world famous. But was it all enough? We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Kings chapter 10 on Simply the Bible. Solomon brought great glory to Israel, but it had a big price tag. Solomon could have been the original inspiration for lifestyles of the rich and famous. We wonder how much of all that opulence was really necessary. When Solomon asked God for wisdom, God promised to give him the wisdom that he sought. He also promised to give him riches and fame, and God made good on his promise. It isn't wrong to possess wealth or to inherit wealth. Abraham was very wealthy, and he gave it all to his son Isaac. Earning money, honestly, isn't a sin. According to Isaiah 48:17, it is the Lord who teaches us to profit. He gives us the know-how to make money and to be wise with the money that we make. But loving money and living just to make more money is wrong because it leads us to devalue that which is truly important. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, God foresaw the day when Israel would want to have a king like the other nations. He would permit this, but he gave specific instructions for the king they would appoint. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. It is interesting that Solomon multiplied horses, wives, and gold, and not just by a modest amount. He went way, way over the top. He had 40,000 horses, 1,000 wives, and he brought in 25 tons of gold each year. Now, was all this for the Lord, or was it for himself? The law required him to handwrite his own copy of the book of Deuteronomy and read from it every day. But we wonder if he skipped over this part. It is possible to gain materially, but to lose spiritually. And that is exactly what would happen to Solomon. We continue today in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14. The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Besides that, from the traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia, and from the governors of the country. I have always found it interesting that Solomon brought in 666 talents of gold each year. We know that 666 is significant in the book of Revelation as it is the number of the beast, a.k.a. the Antichrist. Does that mean anything here regarding Solomon's goal? I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Now, 50,000 pounds of gold that Solomon brought in each year is quite a sum. Surely, 
Surely Solomon must have cornered the gold market, but this amount didn't even include all that he made from tolls, tariffs, and trades. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. For the large shields, the word shekels doesn't even appear in the original text. So some have translated this 600 bekas. 600 shekels of gold weighed about 15 pounds. 600 bekas weighed about seven and a half pounds. It seems that these shields were covered with a thick gold plating. The large shield covered the whole body and was carried by the heavy armed infantry. The small shields had about four pounds of gold. These were carried by archers. Now, why would you need so much gold in a battle shield? This was no longer about being practical. In fact, because gold is such a soft metal, some commentators think that the shields were only for show. Show shields, I guess you'd call them. The Mercedes-Benz AMG S65 is currently the most expensive new sports car that is on the market, with a sticker price of $253,500. You must ask yourself, is that really necessary? You see, it's no longer about practically getting from point A to point B in your car. It's about bragging rights. And Solomon had reached such a place of wealth that it wasn't about what he needed, but about what he wanted to satisfy his whims. And that's a dangerous place to be. In fact, toward the end of Solomon's life, he wrote Ecclesiastes, in which he said, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. Or as it says in the King James, Vanity, vanity, says the preacher. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat and two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. Now that must have been truly wonderful to look at. And how awesome would it be to come up to King Solomon sitting on this throne as you approached him for justice? Now, I don't know how many elephants gave their all for Solomon's ivory throne, but again, you've got to ask yourself, was this necessary? I believe the key for understanding what motivated Solomon to build this is where it says nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. Solomon had ambition and a reputation to uphold. No doubt he prided himself in building the world's greatest throne. Now, David chose to lead by going out and defeating the enemies of Israel. Solomon chose to lead by staying at home, making trade agreements, sending out ships to distant places to bring back more gold. And why? To build stuff bigger, more expensive, and more glorious than anyone else. Without a doubt, 
Solomon's kingdom was glorious, but was it better? Jesus said in Luke 12, 27, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Indeed, Solomon was glorious, but he wasn't as beautiful as the lilies with which God adorns the fields. It is interesting that the standard God would uphold for future kings was not Solomon in his glory, but David, the man who didn't seek after gold, but who sought after God. Verse 21, All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold, not one with silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. Now, to be honest, I'm a bit of a coffee snob. I didn't set out to become that. It's just that in my pursuit to brew a better cup of coffee, I developed a love for good coffee. The drawback is that you can't enjoy regular coffee nearly as much. So you go to a restaurant and you're constantly comparing it to what you drink at home. Now, I think Solomon got so used to always drinking from golden vessels that he couldn't bring himself to drink out of anything else. He probably even convinced himself that beverages just didn't taste as good when he drank them from a silver cup. For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules at a set rate year by year. What did Solomon do with apes and monkeys anyway? Probably he founded the first Israel Zoo. Now, if Solomon wanted to build this great kingdom to become famous, well, it worked. Because everybody throughout the world came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And it seems that they came on a regular basis because when they came, they brought presents on a regular basis, a set rate every year. And so Solomon became even more wealthy as a much-desired paid speaker. You see, people always want to hear what the rich have to say. The poor, not so much. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowland. Also, Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kiva, and the king's merchants bought them in Kiva at the current price. Now, a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150, and thus through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. So a chariot usually required three horses. Chariots were considered the ultimate weapon of the day. However, the problem with multiplying chariots was growing too dependent on military strength and not so dependent upon the Lord. David reflected this concern in Psalm 20. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. 
presence of strong physical defenses in Israel turned the hearts of Solomon and the people away from the Lord with a false sense of security. And as is often the case, an abundance of material benefits can lead people to think they have no needs when in reality their need for God is always the same. God told them not to go back to Egypt to multiply horses, but Solomon paid no attention. All was fair game to build his kingdom. But the man who was wiser than anyone in the world was acting foolishly. I would like to close with 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. May we all learn to profit by learning the secret of contentment that comes by godly living. And if God blesses you with riches, be thankful. But don't set your eyes on it, because the more you have, the more you worry about how to protect it and how best to use it. The good news is that the same God who teaches us to profit will show us how to use it wisely. And that will probably mean giving it away. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Solomon's 700 wives and 300 concubines turn his heart away from God. Is the pleasure of sin worth its consequences? We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Kings on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible